Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, good afternoon. Hi, everybody. Uh, thank you for joining us. This is uh, episode four of Live from Ravs, and we appreciate you uh, being here and joining us once again. Uh, first, I thought we had this down pat, but we're getting there. Well, oh, you forgot what have we learned. <laughs> so we're gonna so we're gonna add to the what have we learned or what we need to remember. Uh, if you're gonna watch, pick up your comments on your What's phone silence? through your watch party. You have to lower the volume so we don't hear the noise. Right that you're I didn't realize I had to lower the volume. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll notice uh, we look a little bit better today. Uh, special thanks to Keith Wonderlick uh, hooking up with uh, hooking us up with a new camera. Uh, so thank you, Keith. Uh, it does. It looks nice and clear. And we also look better because Melissa Camera has joined us. Our super yeah. coach, Melissa, is our special uh, co-host today. And Naz, look at this. We're doing a better job. Better, we're, better. We're, I can't do it until I touch again. <laughs> uh, we, we're trying to figure out separate tables type thing when we bring in other people. Uh, it's a little difficult with the space we got. So we're, we're, we're working on it. So uh, thank you for joining us today. Uh, we've got a we've got a nice a nice show lined we up. We got a great show today. Um, joining us, we have um, Coach Extraordinaire, Vice President of the Kegel Training Center in Lake Wales, Florida, and Director of the uh, Bowling Program at Weber University, Del Warren. So we're super excited about that. And then we finally got Joe DiModio. And Joe DiModio! <laughs> uh, we're going to bring them in shortly. Uh, so we want to thank them, of course, for, for coming on and joining us. Uh, so that's great. Joe, Joey, after we finished yesterday, Joe finally got connected. So if you saw our post and saw our picture, uh, we, we got Joe in there. So uh, we learned, and oh, add to the list of things we've learned, you can't use Firefox uh, yes. to, use the, uh, to use the platform we're on. Uh, so we can add that to Joe's. Uh, the list is long and getting longer. <laughs> so uh, we're not bowling. You know, it's it's another day here. We're not bowling. Uh, I have to throw it out there. Uh, I have to say, awesome job, uh, Rob Butler. I don't know if you're watching, but if you're watching, uh, shoot us a hello. Uh, he he runs the Sunday night uh, Donna Zajac Memorial League, and they have this great Facebook page where they interact with each other. And Rob is always posting content uh, every week. And he has a bowler of the week, matches of the week. And so this week, uh, he simulated, uh, he, the last two weeks, he simulated some 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 bowlers right, and some matches. matches. Uh, so we want to give a shout out. He, he, the bowler of the week is uh, Jairo Rojas in the Donna Zajac Memorial League. Congratulations, Jairo. <laughs> and thank you, Rob. And thank you, Rob. Oh, and this is when our production assistant would hold up the applause sign. Let's get to our audience of, of, of one. <laughs> and then, Naz, I, you know, I think we're all trying to make the best of what we have at, at from home. Uh, teachers went back to school this week, working from home. I'm seeing lots of crazy posts from, from our teacher friends yes. trying to make the best of it. Uh, our homeschool friends, uh, our, it just, it's a lot. So, Charlie, Charlie DiBiase picked up uh, a video uh, and, and did a little story on of, of one of our own, uh, Timmy McCullough and his wife, Francesca. So uh, visit SI Live and, and check it out. We're going to have them join us over the weekend at some point. Uh, they're supposed to be in class right now, so they can't join us. 
yeah. so far. So they're in class doing learning from home. Uh, but go go <laughs> go check out uh, SI Live. Uh, they are doing what they can to make the best of it, uh, and they've got this great little song they wrote. Uh, we're going to spare you of it. We want you to go <laughs> visit SI Live and check it out for yourself. It's a great piece uh, as as they are uh, doing what they doing their part, uh, uh, encouraging their students uh, during these times. So and to add a little fun to the situation, a little relief <laughs> for sure. So uh, let, let's so. Let's bring in Dell and uh, Dell. Dell is joining us from beautiful, sunny Florida. We believe uh, is it is it beautiful and sunny? Hi, Dell. Hello. It's maybe a little delayed. Hello. Hey, here we go. You still there? You can't hear us. Hi, we see you. Can you hear us? We heard you. So whatever you did in the meantime, when we were working before, we can't hear you. But we could hear you. You can't hear us. Hello. Hey. Yes. We can hear you. He can't hear us. He can't hear us. <laughs> <laughs> we just had it going. It was just perfect. We just had a conversation with him before. Before. Let's try this. Is it any better? Something, something you did in the universe. Was that better? Mm -hmm. Hello. That change anything? Shoot him a note. All right. So we, we lost Dell there for a moment. <laughs> so so Joe, uh, you're not the only one. Who experienced uh, who experienced technical difficulties yesterday? So, Joe, welcome to the show. How are you? We're doing all right. Sorry, I had you muted there for a moment. <laughs> We're going to get Joe back in here. Uh, so, Joe, how are you today? I'm doing fine, feeling all right. How about you guys? We're good. We're good. I put up, I put up that big story today about the bowling show. So, hopefully, people are you know watching now, looking on. All right, there's Dell. Can Del, you hear me now? All right, can you hear us? I can hear you. I can hear you. All right. <laughs> Here we <laughs> go. Welcome back. All right. Uh, hey, Joe, thank you for the plug today. Uh, thank you. That was thank awesome. You. So we welcome. appreciate that. Hey, uh, so so Dell uh, Dell's got a, a list of titles, uh, and he does so much. Uh, in the bowling community, and so one, thank you, Dell, for joining us. Two, uh, we know there's a lot we could talk to you about, and we've got Joe with us, and I'm sure Joe's going to pipe in and might have something for you. So, uh, so Naz and, and Melissa have some pressing questions for you. Uh, so, sure, guys. one, what's going on in sunny Florida right now at the Kegel Training Center? Well, currently we're closed, as everyone else is. But uh, if uh, things had been uh, and we're hoping you know get up running here as soon as possible. Uh, well, you know we're getting ready for the summer, and as you guys know, in uh, youth bowling, there's always a lot to do. Uh, mainly our camps, um, that is uh, basically the training around junior gold. And uh, I know uh, more and more uh, people are investing into junior gold, and they're bringing uh, bringing big groups. So hopefully this year. Um, 
as things start to normalize, whatever that is going to be uh, after we get through this crisis, um, we'll get back on our regular schedule. And normally we have three camps during the summer, plus all the other activities around youth bowling, um, uh, like Teen Masters and Junior Gold. And right now we're the exclusive, uh, we're also the exclusive uh, sponsor for uh, Teen Masters, which is going to be in Richmond this year. Uh, and I fear the product. Um, it's just different. Uh, it's a much smaller event, obviously, than Junior gold and um, I get a chance to see in the, in the country uh, the enthusiasm that's around youth bowling right now uh, uh, I think is really unprecedented um, and you're starting to see a lot of uh, uh, I think the coach is getting better in the United States. There's a lot more places for uh, kids to go to get good coaching. Uh, yeah, we agree, Dell. Oh, did we still have? Hello. Yeah. Oh, you're there. You're, you're, you're cutting it out. Uh, no, we, we we wholeheartedly agree, and you know. The momentum, Junior Gold is is that pinnacle event where you've got thousands of kids going. Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. We can hear you. Did we lose you again? Check your Wi-Fi in, the, in, in your place. <laughs> uh, you know, you, you talk about that momentum, Junior Gold, and we've got almost 30 kids from, from, the, from the area okay. going to compete and, and certainly looking for certainly looking forward to that. Uh, but you're right. We, we, no, we, I'm here. We, it, it's been awesome. So Dell. Um, so Dell, um, having been a college, yes. a college coach. Yes. Uh, vice president of a Kegel training center. And doing individual coaching like you do at the training center, what do you think of those three? Really captures what you love to do. Well, college I think has um, really turned my life around. I can even say that about my wife. Um, we don't have kids, <laughs> and um, this has just been a blessing for us uh, in a way that I I didn't even realize uh 12 years ago now this is our 12th year um and it just kind of the weber relationship happened by accident they were looking to start a bowling team they didn't even know we were they didn't even know about us and we're only seven miles away and we didn't know about them and i'd only lived here about two and a half years um but as we've gotten more and more into this college bowling thing i thought this was going to be very part-time we train up you know a bunch of kids to, to bowl better, that would be easy. Take them to a few tournaments, that would be easy. Lay out some balls, that would be easy. Um, but I, I think I was a pretty naive person on the magnitude of responsibility and how hard it is to do this um, if you really want a, a top level uh, college program. But not only that, the amount of time this takes, 
that we spend on this, um, along with all my other responsibilities at Kegel. And, uh, but it's really been a nice marriage. Um, so I would say my, my passion and my heart um, has really gone into this. Um, it's so much fun. I've experienced every possible emotion during a college bowling season that you can imagine. Uh, from the highs of the highs and the lows of the lows and uh, watching kids grow up in front of your eyes, uh, becoming great friends, going to weddings. We've had kids born now that are alumni. Um, we've had six marriages, I believe. Already we've had one divorce. Um, <laughs> it's, it's the circle of life. I mean, it's, it's, it's really incredible. And, uh, um, and then I would say probably the most fun part of the Kegel job is have people come in that are so frustrated, um, especially I work with a lot of seniors here in Florida that are so frustrated um, because of what I call the myths of bowling, that they have this picture in their head of what they have to do, what they think they have to do to score and get better. And as you guys know, once you get a wrong idea, either, and I'm a golfer, either in bowling or golf, and it sends you off in the wrong direction, it actually can be quite frustrating to the point where people quit. And certainly if you do some things not correctly in bowling, you can actually get hurt. So to work with somebody that's really read a lot of books, been on, uh, been to camps, been to, and, and, and been down, spent a ton of money on equipment and to sit there and work with them and do an evaluation and work with them for 45 minutes and get them on the right track where they see instant results. And the look on their face to me, is the most favorite part of my Kegel job. Um, it, it really is incredible. And I can tell you that 20 years ago, I've, you know, I've been a gold coach since the inception, uh, but I'm a far better coach now that I've been, you know, worked at Kegel uh, than I was, you know, even the beginning of gold coaching to be able to uh, be able to see something and, and really take a customer and defrag them because they have so many of the wrong ideas in their head that you really have to kind of reset them and really simplify what bowling really is. And it gets to the point where I even just say, listen, if you hit the pocket more than me over 10 frames, who's going to win? And then a light bulb goes off in their heads. Of course I said, so forget about RGs, differentials, bowling balls. Most of my customers bowl on house shots. And I'm like, okay, what do you have to do right now just to hit the pocket? Forget about carry and entry angle and all this clutter that's in your head. Just hit the pocket. And as we know, um, if you're bowling on a recreational condition, proprietors today, with the, with the help of John Davis's Kegel machines, I mean, they can replicate a pattern every day. And let's, let's face it, I mean, recreational conditions are pretty easy, um, much easier than I would have ever thought bowling would have gotten 30 years ago and just getting somebody in the right part of lane. And they said, which ball should I use? I go, it doesn't matter. Pick one, pick one. I don't care. There's wet over here. There's dry over there. <laughs> I mean, just line up the way you line up and throw it. And a lot of times just by simplifying the game a little bit and getting them, taking the wristband off, getting them from a really bad position with their hand. And a lot of times 
even throwing what they would think is a weak shot or a spare ball down the lane and seeing the ball speed go up and seeing and simplifying the game for them really makes a huge difference. And in a very short period of time, you can get their averages up 10 to uh, 10 to even 20 pins, mostly because you're just taking a lot of the clutter out of their head. Now, because I'm a golfer and I'm a very passionate golfer, I, I, know what clutter in your head's all about. <laughs> so I can appreciate that very much. And uh, so those are the two things that I love, uh, really love about my job. So Dell, tell us a little bit about this, um, the uh, Kegel Coaching uh, Master's Program. Oh man, I'll tell you. So a few years ago, um, you know, my, the, the, the coaches that I work with, they're all my best friends. And in particular, Randy Stoughton and Ruben Garagosian. Um, I play a lot of golf with those guys. They're two, my two best friends right now. And, um, you know, between everyday work and what we do socially, um, I certainly spend the majority of my week with them. Um, but um, we believe that there was a need in the world for some advanced material for coaches. And there's been a new influx uh, with as good as the USBC bronze and silver um, programs are. There's been a new influx of coaches that are really not bowlers, meaning they didn't grow up like a lot of the bowlers uh, did that originally went through bronze and silver. And some of the gold coaches were, we were bowling alley rats. You know what I mean? When we were in school, we were hanging out at the bowling alley. And so a lot of these folks are fairly new to bowling. They're league bowlers, but they really enjoy coaching. And maybe their sons or daughters got involved in bowling and they wanted to contribute. And so some of them have gone on to be silver and now they're interested in gold. And we felt like that there needed to be a program, a more advanced program than what was currently offered, not just here in the United States, but in the world, um, because I've. You know, I've, I've coached in about 38 different countries and Ruben and his partner, Sid Allen, have coached in probably, I think, Ruben, the last number he told me was 60. And those two guys are in the World Coaching Hall of Fame. So they have a lot more experience than we had in terms of uh, team development and coaching development. So with the help of Ruben, who's had some experience with this and um, Coach Randy and all everything that my team brought together, uh, Coach Rick and Alex and Brent and everybody, um, we really looked at the world and said, there's a big block of difference. Now, the this KCMP, we rolled out the first version of it four months ago, and the first module was on direction. Now, we live in a very technical time, right? And so a lot of times people come to the training center because they want the secret, you know, if I come here, right. <laughs> and a lot of times the secret is right in front of their face and it's very basic. So I'll give you an example. So there's only five fundamentals to scoring. And no matter what people do, whether they're buying a bowling ball, a new pair of shoes, a wrist glove, putting a uh, surface on their ball or whatever, or taking a lesson, they're doing it for one reason, to increase their score. We forget that, right? So there's only five elements of scoring. Direction, speed, angle, rev rate, and roll. And roll is constant for everybody. We know that the ball needs to be in roll to maximize the size of the pocket. 
those four other elements are relative to the person and what level they're playing at. But still, the most fundamental key to bowling and scoring is direction. And 99.9% of our lessons at Kegel has to do with body and swing alignment relative to the line of play. Every single lesson. And so people don't even know the people that have been coaching for 25 years don't even know the geometry of the lane. So when you say, for example, play 13 to seven, where do you slide and where do you put the ball down? Well, there's only one place to, to put a ball down on a straight line. And so when your body gets out of position, um, now you have to make uh, compensations. And that compensation comes in from the right shoulder going up, the hand turning early, the ball being out in front and release, which causes too much axis rotation, slower ball speed, um, and a lot of other things, twerking on the left knee, twerking on the low back. And we see it everywhere, everywhere I go. It's always the same thing. And so coaches traditionally treat that, they treat the symptom and not the cause. Absolutely. So this program was, was, was designed to teach coaches to go right back to the root of what they're seeing in the bowler. And we think that when you see a bowler that has a certain style, we call that a system. So every bowler has a system and that system is reacting because there's a need for every movement in the body that you see is happening because what happens in the start of the stance and the first in the first two steps. And there were so there were two gold coaches in this class. One of them, I was so happy. Susie Minshew, she was there. She has probably the most critical eye of any coach I have ever met. And I'm so happy she came because I knew that if she really liked this and that it challenged her, then I knew that we had done our job and she was completely blown away. And cause I don't really have that much. I'm not kind of wired for that kind of eye of detail. You know, I could have never made a lawyer or somebody like that. I'm kind of a, I'm kind of a, you know, a close enough guy, you know? Um, and I'm a, as my wife says, I'm a skimmer. I skim over things. So <laughs> have a great eye. Susie's a great coach. She does. She oh, does. she's amazing. She's absolutely amazing. And um, when I invited her here the first time about 10 years ago, I said now to, for a camp, um, I said, now I don't have a stopwatch like I've coached at your camp and I kind of wing it. We have a schedule, but my schedule is a, is a suggestion. So I, I know it makes you upset. So at the end of the camp, she was very complimentary. She says, you're a little more organized than you think you are. I said, well, I'm nowhere near your level. But um, so I was very pleased that we had uh, 25 coaches in there of all different backgrounds, uh, from the best of the best to people that had really just got involved in coaching about five years ago and everywhere in between. And we really, really hit the mark with this. And the test was very difficult. The text test was optional. Nobody got a certificate of, of, of uh, that you just came and had to pay for the test. Um, but the credibility of this program going forward, because it was you had to get 80 percent. It was not an open book test and it was quite comprehensive. Uh, most of the people took about three and a half hours to do the test and there was different uh, different phases of it. So. When I really got the vision of this, 
on the first module, which is direction. Ruben said to me, Dell, can you imagine a thousand coaches in the world that were competent at just direction in this material? And then I got it because we really need better coaching at the grassroots level because most people get involved in coaching because their sons or daughters get involved or they were a coach in another sport. Uh, maybe they go bowling and they want to contribute, right? So in my experience, because my career ended because of injuries, no coaching is better than bad coaching. And when I say bad coaching, I mean misinformation. And unless you've really, really studied the game, if you send a, a, a bowler off in the wrong direction, you can, you can hurt them. Not only will they not get to their full potential, but they can get injured. And we're seeing more and more injuries today, folks, at a much younger age. I would say half my freshmen that come into Weber have already had knee and or lower back pain because yeah. of some of the things that I just mentioned. Right. Um, and then, you know, on a, on a sports shot, on a uh, recreational shot level, it's no one's fault. You know, that that nobody knows the geometry. Number one, it's no one's it's not being taught. Number two, when you bowl in a recreational condition, you don't get good feedback. Meaning if I miss to the right, the ball goes to the left. If I miss to the left, the ball goes to the right. Right. Good feedback would be if I miss to the right, the ball goes to the right. And then if I miss to the left, the ball goes to the left. Right. And then and then finally, you know, you're dealing with. um uh, you're dealing with, um, you know, a, a society that wants quick, very, very quick uh, results. So we don't have, including myself, right? You, we, because we have a phone, we, we're not very patient. So to learn the fundamentals of the game, most people don't do that. They pick up a ball and they want to hook it and they want to see good, res quick results. They buy a high performance ball and, you know, they stand in the middle of the lane and they throw it to the outside. So why do I need to learn the geometry of the lane? You know, so um, th there was a, the only reason why we did this was because there was a real need. The market that we're shooting for is very small. Not every coach is going to want to do this. But I can tell you just from the feedback that we got from this first class that this information is needed. Um, and then I would finally the last thing I would say to you, this wasn't really the goal, but there's a big gap between a silver level coach and a gold level coach. And when you go and do your gold test at USBC, it is quite comprehensive. Um, and it should be. So where do you go learn that gap of information? Because you can't go to school. You can't take an online course. This is, this information is really in people's heads that have been doing it for a long time. And so when I look at, what we've written so far and the vision of the project, this is really going to fill that gap. So if somebody once is a silver and wants to be a gold, they can take these master um, three-day programs and it, they, they, they will have no problem passing the gold if they go through this. So it's really serving many, many purposes. Um, and I'm very excited about it because um, already have gotten many comments from coaches that they see the world differently now. And they're 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 having a much bigger impact on their students. It's really cool. Think about the time that we've spent sitting in those in that civil level class. Class, it makes yep. sense because and the, the gold level certification is, is more like receiving a doctorate. Right. Uh, you you've got to publish. 
other there's a lot of pieces to it so that's that's awesome thanks and i'm looking forward to hearing more yeah, from no, those that go through, that go through that program that, that's really cool joe do you have any questions you'd like to ask Dell? well i'm jealous right now he's did his ten thousand steps for the day already walking through the <laughs> And I'm on my couch. I, I, I swear I try to sit. And then when I talk, you know, I get to I get this from my wife. My wife's from Italian. She's from Queens, New York, and she moves a lot and she talks really. I mean, she's, I've kind of inherited that for her. So <laughs> we know that. None of us talk with We know nothing about that. We know about that. <laughs> I have a question for Dell. How do you feel about the two handed bowlers in the game these days? Um, you think they're, well, I'm, it's illegal? I'm, I'm definitely not a Belmo hater. So okay. I'll start with that. Um, I love um, I love the two-handed style because it's really taught me to be, to be a better one-handed coach. Because the two-handed mechanics is a little bit different than one-handed. A little bit. It's not totally different. Um but it's taught me to teach one-handed bowling to be more efficient. I've pulled, I've started to pull backswings down. Um, I've changed timing sequences to take stress off the body. And um, I think you have to be a bit more athletic um, and a little bit stronger in your upper body to be two-handed, but I love it. I think Belmo's changed the game for the better. Um, I'm definitely not one of these um, haters. Um, I would say that the caveat for me would be that I believe everybody should have to put their thumb in the ball. And I don't think uh, people talk about that enough because squeezing the ball under pressure, as you guys know, is a factor. Um, and also with reactive balls today, the more you get your rev rate up, the less access rotation you can have on the ball to control so that you can control the amount of hook, right? So as your rev rate goes up, your ball speed goes up. Um, and so there's a perception that the guys on tour hook the ball more than they actually do. Um, they have a lot of speed and a lot of rev rate, but there's a lot of amateurs out there that cover way more boards than the guys, guys on tour. Um, so I think, I think if I was the czar of bowling, one of the things that I would do because of how the hand is constructed, that everybody would have to put their thumb in the ball. And then you wouldn't have had all these weird drillings. And, you know, for a two-handed ball, you got to weigh the ball from the bridge. And a one-handed bowler, you got to weigh the ball from the center of the grip. That would have taken care of everything. Yep, you can throw with two hands, but you got to put your thumb in the ball. Um, and then, you know, the mechanics of that is way different. There's a big advantage of staying up the back of the ball with your thumb pointed to the, to the if you're right-handed, to the right wall. Yeah. And being able to hit the ball and not go around it, there's a big advantage of that, and nobody talks about it. Yeah, I totally agree. That's interesting. I have not heard the put your thumb in the ball, and next year, I guess, maybe in a year or two, when you're the bowling czar, <laughs> we'll, uh, yeah. we can thank you for that. <laughs> the only czar I'm going to be is, you know, whatever my wife needs me to do next. That's the czar I'm going to be. <laughs> the thing it's funny that Joe asked that question. Uh, the theme here on each show, this has come up every every conversation uh, with, with bowling. We talked a little bit about it with uh, Bill O'Neill on Saturday. Uh, one of our youth bowlers sent in a video yesterday uh, of him bowling at home, uh, Joseph. And, uh, and it, 
they've got a, you know, Kathy's asking a question, your coaching experience. Uh, so Joe, Joe is, Joe has been bowling handed for, for a while. And part of it, we talked a little bit about uh, the fact that sometimes the young kids who are small and structured don't have the, the muscle mass to throw the ball with one hand. So they try it. They learn it in that fashion. They and just they, adapt it. They adapt. Yeah. And so Joe, Joe is a little bit unorthodox where he's doing it back. He, a back two hand backup. Uh, and I mean, he's, he's doing awesome. And so Kathy was asking, how, how often do you see, do you even see that Dell, where it's not just a traditional two hander, but somebody throwing from the other side of the lane? Well, actually, um, what that's really funny because we had a Jersey who next year he'll be a senior. Wow. Believe it or not. And Matt, um, set the all time high school, um, average in New Jersey. I think he averaged 249 for a high school season. And he's a member of our warrior team. So his mother asked yeah, get me in the recruiting process <laughs> if we would change him. And I, it, and, and I said, well, the bowling, the bowling gods will dictate that. And what I meant by that was, you know, um, throwing a backup ball is the opposite way in which your arms want to turn in. So if you just hand, if you just sit there and you relax, you know, your arms want to pronate to the inside. Um, and I don't know if that's the right word. It sounds like it. Um, but so <laughs> Matt, Matt threw a very slow, right? He was a right-handed, two-handed backup bowler. And the problem was, is because of what it, what it does, it didn't allow him to be very versatile. Um, and as I used to tease him, his ball was allergic to spares. <laughs> I told him one time, I said, you know, Matt, I, I think you need to call Ebonite. And get them to, they sent you the wrong balls because all the ones they sent you, the balls are allergic to spares. So you need to send them the ones that like to knock the spares down. <laughs> but the, the problem was, is he ran into a wall and the wall was he couldn't get enough ball speed and he didn't have enough options with hand position because he had to create axis rotation with a rotation, um, as you know, of, of, of putting a clockwise spin on the ball. And in college bowling, the next level is going on tour. So the top level college bowlers are really, really good. And if you look at the tour right now, most of those guys bowled for top level teams and um, you know, they've had great training. So he decided to go to a conventional right to left motion. And that opened the window for him because it was less stressful to his body. He actually had to slow down the mechanics to allow the hand to cut to the inside and his swing came from the outside of the line to the inside of the line. So I would say if he was a local bowler and all he did was bowl in recreational conditions and bowl county tournaments and city tournaments and state terms, I think he was on his way to being one heck of a local bowler. Um, but a coach's decision guys is all based on who do they have in front of them? How often do they practice? And at what level are they participating? That's what dictates the lesson. So if I have a college kid that wants to go on tour, the trail I'm going to take him with his mechanics and his training is going to be different than most of my lessons are league bowlers that say, you know, they bowl three or six games a week. They bowl the state tournament. Maybe they bowl nationals and they just don't want to be the worst bowler on their team. They want to get a little better and they want to be more competitive. That is a little, that's a lot different situation um, than, uh, than, you know, working with a college kid or somebody that wants to be on Team USA. So 
as long as the, the style allows them to maximize scoring at whatever level they're playing, I'm okay with that. And as long as they're not putting undue stress on their, on their, the three most common injuries we see is wrist, knee, and lower back. That's true. Uh, hey, 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 you know, before we uh, before we let you go, and uh, Melissa's got a, a question for you too. I do. Sure. Um, what are some uh, drills? Thank you. <laughs> drills that the kids can be doing at home or adults that can keep their their game up while we can't be on the lanes. This is great. I just had a conference call with my team, a virtual conference call this morning, and we're going to be doing some videos um, in the next two days from home. Because I'm getting as you, bombarded with this question from all over the world. So it's really simple. My best tool, you got to have some feedback. So get a mirror, six, seven foot mirror, put a line through a mirror. Probably the best thing to do is use some painter's tape or maybe hang some yarn through the middle of the mirror. Put a line on the ground about maybe six to eight foot long and connect the line on the ground with the mirror so that you have two lines that are 90 degrees to each other and you can do all kinds of drills. Now, the most common thing we see is the swing behind the back and the hips open to the line of play. So now you're getting correct feedback. Your arm swing should go on the side of your body. And I hate the term backswing. So <laughs> most people, the ball gets to the inside of line of play because the ball is in the middle of the back or at least on the right butt cheek. And now the ball has to come over the top. Your, your move is over the top. Well, the arm swing is actually the opposite of that. It comes straight back on your side and then comes to the inside about two or three inches. Coach Fred Borden called it the, the two-inch slot or the three-inch slot, right? So with that, if you have a mirror and two lines, man, you can do one-step drills. You can do release drills with like, um, uh, with like a softball, practice axis rotation drills. You can do one steps, you can do swing and slides. And now because you're in the mirror and we all have phones with video, you can take video of you doing drills to make sure you're doing it correctly. Um, you can also take, uh, I just got three videos from Mabel Cummings, shocker. Um, she just sent me videos the other day. Um, and you know, she's probably uh, does more videos or does more drills than anybody that I know. Um, working on her physical game. So I think a mirror, two lines, and uh, getting good feedback from your phone, I, I think you can do an array of, of, of the video of the drills that I just mentioned in a, in a mirror. But you definitely want to get good feedback to make sure you're doing the movements correctly. That's awesome. And, and are you going to be sharing those videos on, on the Kegel Facebook page, on, on Kegel.net? Where, where are they going to be found? Yeah, the, um, the Kegel Facebook page, Kegel.net, and plus our own personal Facebook pages. Um, and all of the coaches are going to be doing these from home. So, you know, I told Randy, I said, you know that holy shirt that you wear all the time? Don't wear that one. <laughs> <laughs> you know, wear a Weber T-shirt or something. <laughs> Dress casual, you know, don't dress in our normal stuff. So I'm, I'm actually going to do something on the sidewalk, I think, because we're in Florida. The weather's really nice right now. And they're saying, you know, um, outside is pretty, you know, is OK, you know, because right. of the UV light and everything. So um, and then people are posting some really cool stuff on, um, on Facebook right now. Um, people that are really hungry to get back in the bowling centers. Um, pretty creative stuff. So but anyway, 
That's it. Thank you so much, Dell. Thank you so much, Dell. Hey, thanks for everything that you're doing, especially right now when everybody kind of needs a boost in morale and um, and everybody's hungry to uh, get back in the bowling center. And there are people, my kids that my kids are still going to school at Weber, meaning they're the cla- everything's classes on virtual. And we have the training center shut down, obviously, right now. And they're like, Coach, I'm going crazy. What should I do? And I go, well, you already know the answer, man. You get the mirror out, do some drills. Well, I want to throw some bowling balls, Coach. So. <laughs> Thanks for thanks for tuning in and thank you so much for what you guys do and for having me. Oh, thank, thank you, Joe. We'll be sure to share those videos and then there's more information on the, the coaching masters program on Kegel.net. So uh, for those that were watching that were interested in learning more, uh, thanks again, Dell. We'll talk to you soon. Just stay, thank t- you, just Del. stay tuned. Thanks a lot, guys, and thanks for tuning in. Thank you. Bye. Hey, Joe. Hey, Joe. Hey, <laughs> it was great. <laughs> Del, Del was great. We should all be jealous. Uh, Del got all of his steps he got, in. He got them all in. <laughs> uh, so h- how are you holding up? We're holding up. We're trying to write sports stories, but we're going to be segueing into the newsroom starting tomorrow. We're going to do a lot more uh, coronavirus stories. Uh, so, you- um, we're, we're running on sports stuff right now. Everything is shut down, as you guys know, including the bowlers. You guys are, are all working from home, then, I, I, I shall assume. Yeah, the place is shut down till March 30th. Um, we're going to reassess, I guess, next week and let us know. But I'm thinking it's going to be the 15th or the 30th of April. Yeah. So, so I, I usually work from home myself like three, four days. So this is not a big deal for me. Um, but, you know, I usually go in two, you know, once or twice a week. So, you know, I'm happy we're working from the house. But I'd rather see the games go on, the athletes get back on the fields and, and back on the lanes. That's the, that's the way it should be. So, uh, so opening day was coming up. Baseball opening day was coming up. It's kind of a sad time here. Uh, well, folks, uh, Met and there were some Yankee fans somewhere. <laughs> well, we're looking forward to a, a good Met year. You know, I'm a big Met fan, as as you are yourself, uh, Naz. Um, but um, I was looking at maybe 90, 92 wins, maybe uh, a wild card spot in the playoffs. But uh, that that right now is on hold. So yep, yep. hopefully we can get it going by June 1st. We're hoping. We're hoping. It would be nice. I mean, yeah, it would be nice to get those tickets put to you. <laughs> yeah. We'll get you some tickets. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. We're a little sad. So, you know, you've been you've been doing this thing for, for, for quite some time. And uh, I know the stories uh, I've read through the years and, of course, of late, the, the fun stories that you've been writing, with it, and they're, they're, they're great because it gives people an insight to uh, old school bowling on Staten Island. And I love the, the traction that it's been getting. Uh, people just talking about the old victory lanes and the stories. After each one of those highlights that you've done, Bowling on the Green, the Lyceum, uh, bowlers come in and, and they're talking about talking it. Talking about it. And right. we hear these great memories and stories. So I have to say thank you uh, for, for doing that. That, that, has to be, that has to be a fun thing to, for you, I'm sure. Oh, you're quite welcome. It's great. You know, I go back into the archives and the, the vintage stuff resonates with the readers and we get emails and they want they want to see more of that stuff. But um, a lot of our photos are in the basement of the advance. And um, when I want to do stuff, I have to go digging for photos and it takes like three, four, five hours. My back breaks after a while. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep on doing that stuff because I know people like that, especially the bowlers. Um, and we're just going to keep on sharing that stuff out. I'm going to do probably do one next week. Um, you give me an idea. I get a lot of my stuff from a lot of my stories I, from ideas from you guys. You call me up. You give me an email. I'll, I'll get you a story. I mean, that's how I do things usually uh, because we don't have a crystal ball at the advance. We don't know what's going on. You guys know what's going on. Um, I saw a question up there I want to answer from Mr. Horowitz. Um, he wanted to know why we choose uh, 
Staten Island High School bowling uh, as second-class citizens. In 1998, we had 32 guys in the sports there. We're down to three, including me. So we're very, um, you know, we're very low on our resources, what we can cover or not. We, we try to chase big stories and big events. But if you have something you want to share with us, you know, a 120 bowl that's averaging, you know, 180 now, or you have twins on a bowling team or triplets, you know, give us a call, email me, and we'll send someone out there and we'll do a story. I mean, Naz and, and Frank, you guys know you have something to share with me. You call me up and I do the story usually within a couple of days, maybe a week the latest. I mean, that's how you have to stay in touch with me. And you know, keep you know, keep in touch with the with the writers. Let them know what's going on out there. And, and we have always, you know, we've Joe has been a great, uh, great to the bowling community. He's always, um, is he still, oh, he's always uh, responded to our requests for stories, and he's always really been. Um, He's been a great resource for us. He really, really yeah, has. And, and really, and of late, between you and Charlie, uh, and I can't remember the, the young fella's name. Nick Regina. Thank you. you go. Uh, picking up stories. It, it's been great. So we really appreciate it. And we need to. We also need to step up our game and make sure that you have those stories to yeah. tell. So that's a good reminder. I know we usually send you a note and, hey, go check it out. And you yeah, always Frank, you've been a, you, Frank, you've been so great the past 10 years. I have to probably put you on staff and put you on payroll. <laughs> it's been great. I mean, you know, you, you write it all out. It just makes some minor adjustments, some minor edits and things like that. But I mean, the stuff you send me is great, but I think it's also great for the bowling community, the bowling, you know, the bowling people, your customers and the ones at show place and the ones at country lanes, they want to see stuff like that. So even if you send me a little paragraph and a phone number, I can get, I can call the guy up and expand on the story. I mean, it's, it's that easy. So, um, you know, keep that good stuff coming. Um, the bowlers deserve to have it. It's not. It's never going to be how it was, you know, 30, 40, 50 years ago. We used to put every score from every league, you know, over, over 220, over 240 for the men, whatever that might be. That's not going to ever happen again, unfortunately. But we can still keep the game in the news. Um, and, and that's what I wrote about years ago. I try to keep the game in the news. I try to keep people talking about bowling. And, um, you know, whether they like what I wrote or not, uh, I really didn't care. But I just <laughs> did it my best. <laughs> you know? So since you mentioned that, um, right. you know, yesterday we talked a little bit about the uh, series that you wrote. Uh, we didn't start the fire. Yes. And, uh, just not that in particular, but was there a a story that was particularly special to you, or series that you really, really uh, felt strongly about? I won an AP award. We got we got second place for um, uh, fans in the stands about about parents messing up the games to their kids, you know. Um, <laughs> we, got, we won the award back in, I think it was 1998 of the year 2000. Three, three advanced staff has worked on it. And um, I think it was, I forget the name of the series. It might have been um, something like Deadly Cheers or something like that or, you know, something like that. But that was the one I, I took the most pride in because um, I see today as a coach myself and a parent that the parents do run it for their kids. They do run it for the coaches. Um, some people walk away from the game, some well-respected coaches because they can't deal with the parents any longer. It's yeah. not like they're, they're college coaches and you could just say, hey, and I'm in charge. I mean, when you're, when you're running a travel team and a travel, you know, a travel softball team or something like that, you know, the parents have a lot, have a lot of say in the matter. Yeah. And sometimes um, it doesn't work out for the coaches. It doesn't benefit the coaches at all. It hurts the kids, to be honest, but it hurts the players. Yeah. You know, I totally agree with that. And uh, on Facebook, I constantly share those stories of – the, like you said, high level, talented and uh, uh, coaches that really have their heart in coaching that have to walk away from it because 
parents have just made it uh, an untenable situation for them. And it's sad. It, it's really because it does ruin it for the kids. Yes, it really is sad. We love our parents, but you know, we, love <laughs> we absolutely love our parents. And they would agree sometimes we should just lock the door and let them <laughs> hang out outside. And this would have been the perfect opportunity to keep an event going, uh, lock right. everybody else outside while the kids can compete. Exactly, it would have been great. <laughs> <laughs> perfect. Uh, I mean, we, we certainly couldn't do what we do without the parents as well. Absolutely. So uh, it, it's, we say it tongue in cheek, but we they joke around about it too. Uh, and we're lucky, uh, we really are for the most part lucky with the group of parents that we have and their kids that are involved. We hear these horror stories from the, from other, the baseball sports. Or other sports and uh, it, it's disheartening. I mean, listen, any, any group of people uh, can cause those types of issues, but I mean, we're, we have to say, for the most part, we really are really lucky. We're lucky. We are lucky. And, and they understand that too. Uh, so that, that's, that's that's cool. Oh, we have a request for you to reboot uh, the We Didn't Start the Fire series. <laughs> a couple of our writers, uh, readers or watchers would like to read it. So I don't know if that's something that's on Staten Island Live or somebody could uh, put it up so they can read it. They want to see it. Uh, they want to see what we did years ago. I saw the new series. Yes. Or I, could, <laughs> I could probably I could probably pull the old ones out of the archives. Uh, what year was that about, Naz? I know me and Ray worked on it. Uh, um, I have I go back to 1992 in my digital archives. Um, if it was before that, I'd have to actually rewrite those whole things. You know, and it'll take me hours. Uh, so I, I was I was down at Country Lanes with, uh, yeah. with Ray. You know, for, for weeks doing that stuff. Um, but if, if I have them digitally, I can definitely send them out. At, at times like this, would be great. All right, thank you, thank you. Yeah, Kenny Soto was was following up on the on the question on the comment you made about the posting of the scores. Uh, certainly, relative to uh, the staff and and probably real estate on the paper. Uh, the cool thing about what you've been doing, uh, and in this day and age with SI Live photos, those videos, there's some great content that we can plug into SI Live that's not necessarily in print. So it's, and you guys have been creative doing that. And so, so you want to talk a little bit about the creativity and the things that you, maybe the stuff that you like to see that, that you're not doing now, but as a sports writer, uh, as, a, as the editor, what content you think we can, you can deliver or we can help, or even we can help, help deliver you with it. you. Well, that was perfect with the call-ups the other day. Something like that is we're getting a load of pages on that. What I mean by pages is clicks. We got like 5,000 clicks on stories like that because it's human interest that involves um, two people that are well-respected in their communities, you know, their, their coaches and their teachers, and, one, and one's a vice principal. So, I mean, there's a lot of outreach there. So we look for stuff like that. Um, we look for stuff like that comes from country lanes. You can even link to our stories on SILive.com. You can put a link to SILive.com on the uh, on the RAPS Country Lanes website. We're, we'd love to have that. That's more readership for you, more readership for us. Um, so anything you guys can do to stir up the interest, that, that'll be great. Um, as far as content goes, we're looking for human interest stories, hard-hitting stories, um, things that people want to read, kind of good news stories, but it could be sad, um, you know, maybe people recovering from cancer or something like that. We did three obits in the past three days. I did, my, my staff and I, and we got a bunch of hits, but it's a sad, sad, they're sad, sad stories, and I'd rather write human interest stories about people that are alive and well, and um, you guys can provide a lot of that, and the, and the people, any sport, I'm talking about boxing, bowling, fencing, you know, baseball, high school, softball, anything. There's, a, there's thousands of stories. Everybody has a story. I learned that years ago when I started 34 years at the Advance. I started in 1986. And my, my boss told me everybody has a story to tell. And he was right about that. They have more than one story to tell. And the bowl is the role of characters. They have 10 stories to, to tell. 
So, uh, you know, I'm never short on stories of the bowlers. You took the words right out of my mouth because as you were saying that, I was going to ask you, all right, so of the stories and the people and, the, and those stories, who's your favorite character that you've interviewed and had the opportunity to tell their story? Well, I mean, there's a bunch of great bowlers from Staten Island, George Catella, Kevin Rourke. I mean, uh, Dennis, uh, 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 Sheree, uh, what was his yeah. first name? Um, yeah, Jeff. Yeah. Jeff Sheree. I still picture this kid as a 16 year old ball bowling down a country lanes because that's the way I picture him. I know he's, he's, like, he's like 47 now, 48. But I mean, those guys are characters. Uh, you know, the John and the Chicos of the world. Uh, you know, those guys are great. You know, Bobby Stallone, Joe Albanese, so going back to the 70s and 80s now. Uh, you know, Ray Lawson, Rab Wilkinson. I mean, um, great, great stories, great, great characters, uh, guys that taught me the game. They taught me what bowling was all about and the people. And, um, you know, bowlers are kind of, you know, a little, little weird, a little strange. You have to, I'm, I was a bowler myself. I bowled 1970s as a junior with, with Vinny D'Ambrosio at Sunset Lanes. I also bowled at Columbian Lanes in the men's league when, um, you know, back in the back in the 80s and 90s. Columbian Lanes is one of the toughest houses on Staten Island. Uh, you know, it's, it's gone now. But um, you got to tread lightly with the bowlers. But there's a lot of stories to be told there. And I, and I enjoyed doing it since 86. Um when I, when I came aboard at the Advance, they asked me what I wanted to do. I said, I just want to write, you know, give me stuff. So they give me bowling, high school wrestling, things like that. And um, the more I've, I, the more I you know, was with the bowlers, the more I learned about them and what they do and, and what not to do, what not to say. But I didn't, I don't, I don't, I didn't always want to write like, you know, fluff pieces and, and features. I had to write some hard hitting stuff and the bowlers didn't like it. But you know what? That's what the world's all about. Sometimes you're going to like stuff. Sometimes you're not going to like it. Well, we did mention that yesterday that right. you, uh, you would write stories that would spur conversation, not necessarily about uh, a topic uh, that might not be popular with a particular person, but it was, it like you said, it was a discussion. It spurred discussion. And it never came from a place of um, disrespect or looking down on anybody, but it was, let's talk about this. So, you know, so we right. appreciated that too. Right. Yeah, I mean... That's what it's all about. I mean, keep the game in the news, keep, keep the conversation going. Um, and, and that's the way it should be now, especially during this coronavirus. So you, you guys with this show are doing a great thing, I think, for the, uh, for the people of Staten Island, the bowlers of Staten Island, and the bowlers from everywhere that want to tune in and, and watch it. Um, so I think you're doing a great thing, and I think you should keep on doing it until as, as long as this is, it goes on. Well, we, we, that's the plan. <laughs> so we've been saying we're doing live daily until further notice. Right. Uh, we haven't. We're not getting sick of each other just yet. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> we're looking forward to continue. I mean, we're looking forward to continuing this. This is something that we we had on the back burner, and not necessarily daily, but a weekly piece. Yeah. But to tell some of those stories, I noticed. Right. I noticed in that list of characters, Rocky Salemo's name didn't come up. Well, you know, I forgot about him. I guess <laughs> Rocky's the biggest character of them all. <laughs> I mean, a great guy, a funny guy, and my friend Jim Wagner, who retired two years ago. That was Jimmy Wagner's last story on Rocco Salemo. So Jimmy always has that to carry around now. That was Rocky was his last subject to his story. And it was a great story. And I, and I watched that YouTube of, of Rocky when he was, he told about these tales from years ago when he was uh, setting people up on the bowling lanes. That, that's Rocky Salemo. I mean, a great guy, uh, a great character of the sport. And that's why I, I like writing about the sport. And that's why I'm still, I'm still involved. It's great. <laughs> I will say Jim had a good time doing that. I remember Jim following yes. him around and, and I think Jim was a little taken back at first. Yeah, it I, took him a while to kind of get used to uh, Rocky. <laughs> every single bit of it. You know, then we've got right. stories like Chippy Reno <laughs> uh, from years ago. That's cool. 
Uh, Joe, I mean, really, thank you for, for popping in with us today. Thank you. Uh, thank you. You are always welcome to pop in and say hello. We're, we'll tap you again. Uh, yeah, you want me to come back? Just let me know. Melissa, I, enjoy, I covered you years ago in high school ball. Not that long ago, but <laughs> it, was a pleasure, it was a pleasure watching you ball. Excellent baller. And, and, and the cool thing about that, Melissa's taking that back and give, giving back to the, the kids. Yep. Uh, so Melissa's uh, heading up our, our team goals. Uh, as, as, a, as, a, as the head coach and organizing that group of kids. And uh, she's really doing some great stuff here. So we appreciate all that she this does. This is the third year. It's amazing. Uh, great. That sounds, that sounds like a story to me. So uh, <laughs> when you're done with that, send me a message with Melissa's number. I'll have someone get in touch and we'll do something. That's a great story. Stuff like that, you know, is what we need. Keep, keep the game going. Keep it going. Keep the stories coming. So when we're when we're back and running, uh, we'll have you come. We'll, we'll get you to the, the next practice where they're, uh, where they're gearing up for what we're hoping is junior gold, junior gold in, what yeah. we're hoping is junior gold in July. And I mean, we've got this great group of kids uh, and we want them to, to aspire to, to, to be that next level. And that's what the program's about. So we'll make sure we, we give you the opportunity to tell that story. Yeah. I mean, the, the junior bowl is on stand out and always amaze me. They get better and better every year. I know when I started covering high school bowling back in the eighties at the advance, the high average is like 175, 180. Now they're all averaging like 210, 215, 220. The girls are averaging the same thing almost. It's incredible. I mean, uh, so a job well done by all the junior coaches. I know Naz and Melissa, right. uh, all the people that have trained these kids through the years. They're, they're unbelievable bowlers, and they're getting better every year. For sure. Uh, we've, got, we've got Melissa, Naz, Ray, and, and our uh, co coaches to, to truly uh, to thank for that. So thanks for that, Joe. Uh, Joe, thanks again for joining us. Uh, go ahead. Go relax. Go continue writing stories. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks so much, guys. Appreciate it. Anytime. Joe. Thank you very much, Joe. Thanks. Oh, we should have kept them. We should have kept them for Maria. Oh, that's all right. We'll, 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 we're gonna we're gonna bring back Joe uh, at at some point. Uh, I mean, he's he's got some stories he could certainly tell. He could probably be his own show. Uh, he definitely just, could. Just let him tell stories. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. Oh, that's hysterical. Uh, thank you, Joe. Thank you, Dell. Uh, but before you know, before we, we close, we've been doing the meme of the day, and so uh, Melissa shared this one. Uh, and this is so because Melissa's here with us today. We're gonna. This is today's meme of the day. And if I you mean, know Melissa, <laughs> then you'll understand. <laughs> I mean, it's just it's just to build some light to your day. Everything that's horrible. There's a bunch of penguins walking down the stairs. That is pretty cute. Sweet. I mean, sweet. <laughs> oh. Oh, we have our very own uh, penguin expert here because I asked the question, did they have to be taught how to do that? And Melissa has the answer to that question. No, they're rockhopper penguins, so that's what they're used to. They're used to jumping off rocks and falling all over the place like I do, so it's fine. So this is a, this is fake news, fake meme? Like, you know, they just took them and put them on stairs knowing they would do it? No. <laughs> I think it's great. I mean, it's it certainly... <laughs> It is still cute. And it's adorable really cute. no matter what type of penguin it is. I mean, that is true. That is certainly true. Uh, you know, we, we've got a, a the next the next few days we've got a, a busy lineup of special guests. Uh, tomorrow, tune in. We have uh, Greg Mocker from WPIX11. Uh, he's our, our fantastic celebrity host of our Bowling Against Breast Cancer uh, Bowlathon. And again, we talked about it the other day. I don't know what he's going to talk about. It could be just about anything. It could be anything. <laughs> and he's been he's been tuning in and watching us. So thank you, Greg. 
Uh, we look forward to talking with you tomorrow, whether it's the MTA, pizza rats, uh, and then Thursday afternoon, uh, Chad Murphy, the executive director of USBC is going to join us. Uh, there's a lot happening in the bowling world. I mean, and, and just in Chad's life alone. And so yes. we're looking forward to having our friend join us uh, and talking, just talking bowling and talking a little bit what's yeah. happening at USBC. Yeah. And then Saturday, Saturday, Joe Calandrillo and Joe Bruno will be joining us again for Pro Bowler Saturday. And they will be interviewing PBA and PWBA champion Kelly Kulik. The one and only Kelly Kulik. One and only. And we're hoping she will dance also. <laughs> I've heard she loves to dance. And we're hoping that she will dance for us. And so. maybe some insight. I was talking, she loves to cook. So maybe some insight to what she's a. Uh, what she's cooking at home during during this time. That would be awesome. Uh, not, and I, I'm sure she's got to, you know, you want to keep yourself in shape. So I'm sure there are things uh, she can talk about doing at home. Uh, and then we are here live every day at 2 p.m. on Facebook. Uh, and then after, if you miss out, miss it, you can join it on, listen, watch and listen to us mm -hmm. on YouTube uh, on our Raps Country Lanes page. But Sunday, we're going to be on at a special time. So we want you to join us for dinner. Uh, while you're sitting down having dinner with your family, whatever it might be. But Sunday show, we're going to be on at 7 p.m. 7 p.m. With a special guest. So mark your calendars. We're 2 p.m. for the rest of the week. And then a special time on Sunday at 7 p.m. Very special. So uh, we appreciate you tuning in to us today. Uh, thank you for, from, from, from us here live inside Rabs with our studio audience. Thank you all for, for being here today. <laughs> I just... Uh... One uh, little sad note before we leave. Um, uh, last night, uh, one of our uh, former coaches and a member of our bowling family uh, passed. Uh, uh, Maria Heath. We're very sorry to uh, to say that she is uh, has passed. Uh, she was a very special part of our family. Um, she's involved in the sport for over 35 years coaching her children her grandchildren and uh she was coaching in our youth programs up until a year ago and she coached for close to 20 years and she touched a lot of people and uh she is gonna be she's gonna be missed she's going to be missed i i <laughs> you know i hate to laugh but you know uh seeing her come down and she had some spunk and I lo loved her to death. Uh, I'll never hear this song with Bamba ever, ever the same. Yeah. Uh, yes. Bingo mama, karaoke mama. She just mm -hmm. was, she was everything. And so uh, we're certainly going to miss her and we send our love to the, uh, love to, to and the Heath right. and Gomez and family. And prayers to the family. Without a doubt. And so on a lighter, on a lighter note, Rob Butler uh, tells us, and, and Rob, I don't know if you were with us before, but we gave you a shout out. But he's telling us our show can't be on at seven. The Donna Zay Jack Memorial League has to bowl, and I mean they bowl here. So we're assuming we're assuming that we won't be here bowling this this upcoming weekend. Uh, but if we are, I mean that'd be that would be amazing. Uh, but uh, we know we'll be tuning into your uh, simulation of bowling uh, via the Facebook page. Uh, so thank you again for joining us, and we look forward to seeing you tomorrow. Until then, have a great day. Bye.